Maybe today's the day I break 80 Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading No OB and no bogeys I gotta keep it on the 80, it's the gold Would you hit it on one? Straight up the gut, baby Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy So punch out the rough and tune to break 80 Break 80 Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 16 of the Break 80 podcast. Thanks for joining us tonight. We've got the A squad here. Stouds and joined by Mike and Tim once again. Good evening, fellas. How are we? Exceptional, although my the AC in my house went out uh, a few days ago. So I, at the current situation, I'm downing spiked Arnold Palmer's and the uh, upstairs. <laughs> the temperature in the main level of my house is like 84 degrees right now. So uh, we're 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 hungry down in the, the basement. basement. We're in the basement, yeah. You're oh, you should basement. let me know. The AC's pumping over here. I've contacted multiple companies. We got three different people coming tomorrow at some point to give up to give uh some pricing on a new AC and probably furnace. So you know yeah, we're not 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 a good not a good day to, to have that happen. But no, it was it, it hit a hundred and you know I stay in the basement. Well, on our agenda uh for tonight, we've got uh the we actually interview at the at the end here, PGA professional Brent Snyder. It's fantastic. We recap um, the U.S. Open. We give our picks for the travelers. And then we look ahead to our upcoming trip up north as we oh. head to some of the motherland of Minnesota golf courses. So we'll talk about that at the end. But let's begin with the week that was. It's U.S. Open. Um, I'd like to start with, before we get to the actual, you know, some, some of the results and whatnot, just the observations in terms of thoughts on the venue um, you know, got kind of raving reviews from a lot of the, uh, the higher ups. What was your guys's take on the country club at Brookline? Go ahead, Timmy. God, fantastic. I had so much fun watching that tournament. It was, I can't think of a, a better course outside of the absolute murder at Shinnecock where Retief Goosen won years and years ago where I have glued myself to the TV so intently uh, to watch nearly every shot I could when I could watch them. I mean, to be fair, it took them 11 minutes. I timed it from the start of their telecast on Sunday to actually show the first hit shot um, with a, a somehow a commercial in between when they picked up coverage to before when the shot was hit, but the course was amazing. They surpassed every expectation I had for, for what could happen minus my expectation that there was going to be a playoff. Um, Being it, so I agree. Close. I so agree. close. Yeah. Uh, but I think we'll, we'll talk about the holes later. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure, but was just obsessed with hole eight. Uh, you could have left the, the camera on, on hole eight. Uh, I would have probably just watched that intermittently between watching the, the leaders play back and forth uh, the entirety of the day. And I, and I will say I was obsessed with 11 because if you were going to tell PGA tour pros that you're going to have the Sunday number adjusted with slope and everything wind was 95 yards. 
And watching those guys try to figure that shot out was awesome. Saturday, Scheffler, that kind of started his run where he went sideways there, like 11, 12, 13, whatever it was. He, what, he double bogey 11? Double 11. Doubled 11, which was playing a little bit longer, like 112 or something. Uh, but I think the U.S. Open should have more of those quirky little holes. They're fun. Um, but yeah, no, I, I would be all about it if the USGA would put the country club into the normal rotation like they have with Pinehurst. If you, if you look at the future dates, they have Pinehurst having hosting a U.S. Open like every like six, seven years, something like that. It's, it's, it's a constant now coming up, I think, like maybe 25-ish or something, and then it's like in 32 or something. But the country club is one of the original five, um, uh, you know, USGA courses, and I don't think – I would love to see something at Chicago Golf Club because that place looks sick, um, but it's not going to happen. And Newport Country Club is not going to happen, and the St. Andrews Club isn't even a club anymore. So it's basically down to Shinnecock and the country club as your original two – that, that are part of the U S open rotation. I think they should have a, a normal, a normal spot every 10 years, at least. Cause I thought that was awesome. It was great. I was a big fan of hole five too. I know we talked about got to have a drivable par four in there. Risk reward. A lot of guys either birdied it or bogeyed it. Uh, so that, that makes things a lot of fun. The only How thing I the- would, I would say is, did you guys like, do you guys like the last three, four five holes at all? I mean, as far as like, you know, ending the, the championship, that would be my only thing. Like all the memorable holes seem to be more of the front side loaded or, or you know, earlier on the round 10 was a fun one. Cause it's super hard par four, but you know, you get to like 16, 17, 18. I didn't really get a vibe of all, oh, I can't wait to watch them play these final three hole. You know what I mean? Well, they certainly yeah. brought the, the fireworks to those holes, right? We, well, especially we saw... well, 18. Yeah. I mean, that... the players played well, but I, I don't know. You look at the, you look at the courses that get a lot of us opens, uh, Shinnecock, Pinehurst. I don't know if the finishing hole, like, it's, not like, it's not like Pebble Beach, you know, where, you, where it's a distinct yeah. kind of finishing hole. Everybody knows it. They're just good golf courses. Um, but yeah, I loved five. Five was awesome. Yeah. Watching like, like Cantlay yesterday drive it into the greenside bunker. Then he's up on the face, not quite fried egg. Then he flips it up with a 60 straight up in the air. It gets out of the bunker. Then it trickles backwards like 30 yards down the hill. See, but neck- that's but that's exactly why I liked Southern Southern Hills though, because they had yeah. that drivable as a 17th, which kind of made it, you know, you can get one back. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So the 17th Southern Hills is a lot easier than five here. Cause they don't grow the rough up and everything, yeah. you know, like okay. five was, if you legit, like if you hit driver, which they all did, they're all running that risk of making a bogey. Cause the rough's pretty gnarly. They, I loved, I loved that they, grew up the fescue on the bunker faces the pros i know rory said something about it like it was not very predictable or whatever but i don't care that's great i think six under is too high too low of a score for the u.s open winner i want it at even par hell yeah make it harder carnage is fun i will say this about the last three holes though you've got uh, a long par three where they had to hit mid to long irons in i thought that was that was wonderful to see and we saw some really good shots and then you had one of the the lowest scoring holes and 17 in relation to par. Yep. So it, it allowed people to make that move if they were to a pin placement on 16. And then if they were able to score on 17 and then 18 was a, a very tough hole, uh, 450 yeah. some yards, lots of bunkering. And we all saw what Fitz magic did out of the bunker, which he got away with it big time because that was a mistake to yank that thing. 
and uh, we'll get into Fitz in a second. He got yeah, lucky. Yeah. The placement in that bunker ended up being pretty decent from where he hit it. And it doesn't have that. It does have that nice, huge, giant front bunker too to to kind of catch some shots. And and you know that that's that's kind of part of eighteen as well. But uh, yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, golf course held up very well. Uh, you know, you did see a. You know, was it as firm and fast as it should have been? That's my. I mean, a lot of balls backing up, a lot of spin. You know, yeah. Where where you didn't get so much the hard bounce and then a stop. It's usually you know. That's my own. It seemed like they were kind of soft to me. That's my gripe with the USGA. And I think they have backed off on ever since the last open at Shinnecock. Remember when Phil was putting, like when the ball was still moving and there have been, there have been multiple opens in the last 15, 20 years where they've lost the golf course. Basically it's got too dry. And I think they're so worried about that and the backlash from the players, they don't do it anymore. Um, but they also got rain on Saturday night. Saturday was the hardest day. The scoring averages Saturday were way higher than the other days because it was starting to dry out and you had a little wind and then they got rain. If they wouldn't have got rain on Saturday night, it could have been some carnage on, on Sunday also, but I don't know. I I also thought that they, um, they had a pretty, to me anyway, from watching years of opens, the first cut of rough was a pretty wide. They had a pretty generous first cut. You know, you got to the, you got to the second cut, you, were, you the ball would disappear, but the first cut was pretty wide. So, and you could still play some shots. Um, so they could have made it a lot harder, but for sure the golf course held up for being, you know, pretty short old school golf course. For sure. Well, let's start with the winner. Uh, got finally got a win on us not only us soil but got a major win on us soil um dude's been knocking at the door for for getting a win for uh, it feels like the entire season just playing super well i mean maddie fitz hit 17 greens on sunday um with the iconic shot in the 18th green being the biggest of them all um just steady the entire week made a lot of fun long putts hitting a shit ton of fairways and actually abusing the par fives. I mean, the dude is, I don't know what he's doing, but he's clearly added distance, not in terms of like, he doesn't look any bigger, like, you know, Bryson put on like 50 pounds. He just must be doing a ton, ton of speed training or something. Yep. I got something about that. So he's been doing a ton of like speed stick training. He has in a year went from an average ball speed of 169 to 174. Five mile miles per hour, which is kind of unheard of. He's he has jumped a, a ton um when it comes to club head speed, which credit to him. I think he I listened to his interview. He identified a couple of years ago that he needed to hit it farther to compete with some of these guys, and he did it. He pumps it now. Well, think uh, of these tough venues. You know, you, you come with a six iron versus a nine iron. I mean, that's that's a yeah. huge difference on, on these firm, firm, tough uh greens. So you know, just, just adding that 30 yards, whatever he's doing is significant in terms of, you know, being able to hit a higher, higher club into the green. Yeah. I think um, also, yeah, for sure. I, I think his Sunday has to go down as one of the best ball striking days in the history of professional golf. He had 17 greens regulation at a U.S. open, which is pretty wild at a golf course that has like the second smallest greens that of any U S open venue. It's not like this is some massive green, you know, uh, place. That's a, that's a remarkable, uh, statistic. And I also think 
it's not just that he was hitting the greens. He was hitting them in the proper spots, like where you could two putt, you know, you could hit a lot of greens out there into some really terrible spots, you know, and put yourself in bad positions, but he was hitting it, man. What a day. He was on top of it. Crazy. I think what he finished with 33 putts, which is in the realm of, of really my statistics and putting, <laughs> but so, when you, hit all, you hit all those greens on those, you know, on fat, you know, you're, you're two putting from, you know, 10 feet a lot of times on those greens. He did. I thought he got kind of lucky on 18 a little bit. He, he pulled that thing bad. Like he had three wood. You should not be hitting it left. You can hit it 10 miles, right. With a three wood. And uh, that's what I messaged you guys. I think on Instagram, yeah. the oh, playoff coming It's a bogey. And it somehow it went up the hill of the face of the bunker and it didn't come back down. It somehow scored it just far enough left where he could hit that full. That was a great shot. I mean, he can't, he pulled it off epic shot, but that thing could have been stone dead behind that face. And he would have had to go sideways with it for sure. Uh, so he, he got a little bit of a break there, but yeah, I yeah. just, I had, I had these envisionments of Phil. As soon as that ball started hooking left, just Wingfoot. the hospitality tent. Yeah. yeah. It was bad left, too. It was hard left. Well, he's got to be, now that we're just have the open left, he's got to be one of the favorites coming in. Majors this year, he finished 14th at the Masters, 5th at the PGA, won, won the U.S. Open. I mean, you got to imagine that he's he's going to bring it to the, to the Open Championship as well, so... Yeah, I think Scotty was right there, though. And uh, yeah, yeah. oh, for sure. And we'll talk about some of these other guys here in a second. But I think um, now that he's added that distance, he just doesn't have a lot of weakness. He's that modern golfer that just there's a lot of guys that don't have a lot of weaknesses. Like, Like back in the day, you know, you'd say, oh, he's great. But he's one of those guys that doesn't really struggle at anything um in comparison to the rest of the tour players so you know i would have to he's got a, i would put i would put money in him winning another major at some point he's pretty damn good he's, he's got terrible taste in shoes but they're probably paying him <laughs> well, he's gonna be about, real comfy real comfy walking those that hard turf conditions over the, walking the on open. clouds baby but you also know that he's the his personality i mean he i don't think he has a family he's obsessed with finding that one percent better or whatever he can get yeah. i mean he's just He's driven. So that's kind of what his parents talked about. It's like, this doesn't surprise him that he just, he's not going to, you know, slack on practice. I mean, the dude's just going to be grinding forever. Like it doesn't seem like a guy that's just ever going to stop. So he's always going to try to keep getting better. He hit a couple, you know, speaking, we talk about everybody, everybody remembers 18, the shot of the bunker. I actually thought the shot he hit on 15 might've been more impressive. Cause that's the one where they're moving the gallery, you know, and everything he got and lucky. He was like, two, he was like two twenty five in the rough, right? Rough. He had a, you know, got a lucky lie. Cause everybody was standing there, but he flagged that thing from two twenty five. I mean, that was impressive. Um, stuff and there and jarred it. Yeah. But he, I tell you what, he plays fast too. I like that. He doesn't fuck around. He just goes and plays. Yeah. Dear diary. I had a very yeah. good shot today. The 18. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. He's, he's right. I wonder what the notes, notes quick. I wonder what the notes look like in his diary that we've talked about on previous podcasts for uh, this one. And he's I still can't figure out with the arrow through it. I love the U.S. Open. I I can't still can't figure out when he decides to take the flag out when he doesn't. Like it just seems so random to me. I, I don't really like. There's not. I can't figure out his actual reasoning. 
Zalatoris's caddy pulled it for him on on 18. Wouldn't that have been epic if on 18 left the flag <laughs> in and then that tap in he freaking rammed it off the post and it bounced out? <laughs> yeah, that would have been funny. Also, by the way, his caddy, great story. Oh, yeah, that that was fun. Caddy has caddied for 30 plus years for Seve, you know, not not early Seve when he was winning and tail end Seve, Lee Westwood, um, Thomas Bjorn, Thomas Bjorn. Ne- Lee Westwood was damn near number one in the world, you know, close, never won a major. And he finally did it like 30 years of caddying with Fitzy there. I think he said in an interview, his liver was going to be the size of a football. He figured <laughs> this week, but, <laughs> but that was a cool, that was a cool story. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I let's think, go ahead. I mean, we, we rip into Fitzy for his shoes. That's only, that's only thing I rip him out is his shoes really. Cause he wears fucking sketchers. Those are hideous shoes, but. work day hat. I mean, work, yeah, he does. He's not a great fashion guy, but he seems like a pretty cool dude, like a good does. dude. So yeah. you got to feel happy for, uh, he's, for, uh, he's the first us open winner to have braces. So yeah. fun fact. And second oh. to win it on the same course he won the AM. Jack Nicholas did it at Pebble, I think. But do we feel like he's uh, really coming away from his his people though by fixing his teeth? I mean, are the English going to accept him back <laughs> yeah. with a straight smile? I don't know. I wonder if I wonder if that's be, being more accepted. Or are we are they still rocking the Austin Powers like looks there in, uh, in England? <laughs> I have been to England. I didn't I didn't pay close enough attention, I guess, to check it out. I didn't, well, I, I, maybe if we maybe if we if we if we finally get this Scottish trip set up for next year and we go, which hopefully we do. Uh, we'll make it like a study. We'll study the teeth of uh, of, of the British. <laughs> um, well, I guess the the next guy we have to talk about is a is a guy that's also playing incredible, showing up at every major. Um, you got to feel for Zalatoris. Uh, continues to be a factor. Has six top tens in nine career major starts. Three runner up finishes. He seems like he's just built for major venues. Uh, you know, I know people talk about his putter all the time and this or that, but as we'll mention in the Brent Snyder interview, the dude just, he gets it done and it goes in the hole. I mean, as much as people want to make fun of his stroke, it goes in. It's not, it's not pretty, you know, his short putts, but makes them and uh, he finds a way. So now they were saying anything over 10, 10 feet, 10 to 20 feet. He was lights out. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. Here's the, here are the stats for the most total strokes gained through the first three majors of the year, the big events. Will Zalatoris leads at 40.12. Rory is second at 38.12. Fitzpatrick is third at 34.12. And Scheffler is fourth at 32.24. And Justin Thomas is 26.12 and fifth. Zalatoris is miles ahead of anybody putting in the majors like he's been the best putter by far it isn't even close with that crazy they slow it down he takes it back inside and then he like puts it off the toe it's wild why did i spend all this time practicing a good putting <laughs> stroke over the weekend he has been the best putter in the majors this year without a doubt yep he gained 1.76 strokes uh on the greens this week yeah. so nobody can say that putting is a problem and, and and you combine that with how good of an iron player he is i mean he bogeyed what two of the first four and then just started flag hunting. Yeah. I mean, just went at flags that nobody else was accessing. It's just the dude's incredible. He said he didn't drive it that well, which I didn't play maybe as close attention. He said he did struggle with driving it, but when you're that good of an iron player, you can hit it from any, any uh, lie. That's yeah. He's uh, there's nothing much to say about him. He's stud. He's he is up to 12th in the world rankings right now. He's 12th in the new ranking today, and he has never won a professional tournament, and he's all up to 12th. 
which is crazy. I may want a corn fair, but he's never won a PGA tour tournament. And he's already, he's damn near top 10 in the world just because he's a major, just killer. He just hasn't won yet. He could have won three by now. Yeah. And he also was, thought, he went, to a, went to a playoff at Torrey. I think to start the year at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. He's I thought a really cool, uh, cool backstory too. I don't know if you saw his foot joy shirt, but uh they had a, a small logo on of we met and his, his cat, Eddie, Eddie Lowry. Yep. Just, I yeah. thought that was a, a fantastic touch and homage to but I didn't, him. And I didn't then, hear- and then the Englishman and Skechers win it. I mean, I didn't, uh, <laughs> I didn't hear about Francis. We met this, this weekend. Who is that? Who is that guy? <laughs> yeah. We talked about him every other second. Apparently he won a curling championship at, uh, Brookline that, too, that but... house is worth 1.75 million now. All right, yeah, humble cat. You know, Come on. Uh, all I heard is he would he would have shot 120 this week. In my deeper week. in my deeper research <laughs> into Francis, we met the movie Greatest Game Ever Played. Complete bullshit. The fu- the final round is nothing that actually happened. I did not re- know that. In it reality, wasn't in a hurricane. No, in the final round, you know, in the, the playoff or whatever with Ted Ray and Harry Varden, in the movie they make it go down to like. The final hole. I think he's up. He's ahead by one in the final hole, and he has to two putt to win. He was ahead by like three in reality. He just cruised to victory in in the real story. It wasn't anything like the movie. There's a bunch of other things too that are not even remotely close to true. Wait, was Taft not there? Just chain smoking cigars? We can roll around. Taft Taft showed up, but I don't think I don't know what the movie says. But I think he had out. He wasn't president anymore. In 1913, he had like quit or something. I don't, whatever, I can't remember what. But there's a whole. I listened to a thing on. There's just a shitload of inaccuracies in that movie. But you know, whatever. It's still cool. Um, yeah. I don't know. Next, don't know. next, you're gonna tell me that McAvoy isn't a real player. Like Tim Cup didn't happen, or <laughs> I, the great, the greatest Will player, Smith was the, greatest, a the greatest movie player of all time. <laughs> you know what? My um, thoughts on Zalatoris are kind of like my same as my thoughts on Scheffler. Like. Scheffler had the bad stretch there, but he showed up again. I think Scheffler and Zalatoris, their games seem to just work everywhere. They both putt and chip really well. And like, there's no, now we'll see what happens at St. Andrews here, but their games seem to translate to every kind of course possible where some guys don't. Yeah. Have y'all done a deep dive on those two? Have you looked at, at their, their interviews? Cause every time I see them on the course, anytime a camera zooms up after a bad shot, even a good shot, they are neutral as can be. Just, mm-hmm. just some of the most ev- even tempered, tempered guys. Scheffler threw and, a club on after eighteen on uh, on Saturday. Did he? Oh, he made that putt. He made that putt to not shoot forty. Um, but I think on the, after the approach, he chucked the club on Saturday because he had he shot thirty nine on the back on Saturday. You know, he got the 600 there. He was, he was looking like he was going to kick ass. And then he went, he doubled 11, he doubled 11. And then he went like bogey, bogey. He had a really rough stretch. Like you look at the score, he lost by a shot and he, he was, te- he was four over in like three holes on Saturday. That the only time the I've seen Scott, the only time I've seen Scotty not kind of even killed was he, he kind of, he, he, he was not uh, himself at the PGA. I, he was irritated there. I, I know he got the bad draw. But he he showed a little bit of emotion. But you're right. Usually he's pretty even. Like even driving in the fairway bunker to start this round, just kind of smiles at it, throws yeah, a dart, I, and makes birdie. I know. think, uh, and I think going back to that, I think Fitzpatrick gets that too. Yeah. Like he he hit a bad drive there on. I can't remember what hole it was into the right rough. 
he missed the fairway. He just kind of smiled and laughed about it and went about his business. That's he didn't get all pissy. Well, Scotty's now made over $12 million this season, which means he's officially made the most money in the PGA tour history in a single season. Um, I mean, just incredible stuff. Dude is making boatloads of cash because he keeps cashing out on, on all these tournaments. Um, he also mentioned that he hit some of the worst shots he's ever hit in his, in his, in his career. And then some of his best. So even the, that he can say that, that he finished one shot back yeah. is means he's still playing really good golf. He did the everyday. He did the every man's chunk on Saturday. I think it was Saturday where he had a little, little pitch shot and just chunked it and it came rolling right back down to him. That made me <laughs> smile. <laughs> Matsuyama did the same thing on, on, I think 17 in great, in great position there. Just, Flat yeah. chunk one. Hideki. You know, speaking of Hideki, I think what this golf course really proved is you look at the top five, it's like the best ball strikers out there almost. Fitzpatrick's good. Zalatoris, Scheffler, Matsuyama, Morikawa, 66th on Sunday. Rory, you know, strikes it pretty good most of the time. Those guys, that's their top five. They're all exceptional you know strokes gain t to green green guys they don't make a lot of mistakes although rory was all over the place up and down and bogeys and birdies and oh yeah we'll get to rory in a second but i yeah i agree that was i mean those guys they're not not known for you know tremendous putting normally in a regular season event or whatever but in the u.s open you don't you need to make maybe eight foot par saves you know eight ten foot par saves but a lot of it is just finding a way to get on the green and two putt and just get a par and get out of here. And that's why I, well, that's one of the biggest reasons why I picked, uh, picked Fitzpatrick. Cause he's just a par machine. Like that's just what he does. He won the U S open chipping cross-handed. <laughs> he did do that. I think Rory, Rory. I don't know. I love Rory, but he, he seems like he falls in love a little bit too much with hitting driver. Sometimes like that course, he doesn't need to hit driver out there that much. He can just get in a position and just he had so many times where he uh over the weekend at least where he would hit a tee shot into the rough and he tried to get to the green and end up short in a bunker he ended up you know offline yeah. just get in the fairway rory and your your money what's his best weapon that's that's his best it is when he's playing well it is and he was playing well i mean t5 again i got all, all top 10 in every major this year yeah um he's up, he's up to and- number two in the world and not only that the dude he seemed to be making a boatload of putts I mean, he was dropping. I mean, this is I'm I'm talking about starting back at Thursday all the way to Sunday. I mean, he made a piss full of putts this week. He did. He just made too many mistakes. He was in too many bad spots. He finished at he finished four strokes back, but he made a shitload. I, I haven't looked this up, but I would imagine. I I bet you I bet you Rory made more birdies than Fitzpatrick for sure, and made oh, yeah. but, but made way more bogeys because he was he was in some terrible positions like he made a great double actually he made that long putt for double after he hit it into the fescue and then like whiffed on it basically and it was a shit show and he made like a 25 footer for double yeah tim anything about rory stuck out stuck stuck, um stood out to you you know i just you hope he turns it around eventually and it's it's hard to say that top tending and all of the majors so far is not a good year, but He'll we have this again. elevated um, idea of, of Rory to, to come back and, and win majors. And he just hasn't been in that, that winner's circle for a lot of his fan base in quite some time. So 
He'll um, win. As much fun as it was to watch Rory, it was. It was a blast. Ups and downs and the emotion of it. And he's in it and then he's not in it. And then he's fighting back on Sunday a little bit. You hope that he, he comes back and he bogeys one and falls out of, of you know, contention. That, you know, hopefully he can he can win another major. And what is he? He's the Masters away from the career Grand Slam. So, you know, you know what I think he's got going for him now is motivation. He's the face with the whole, with all the live stuff. He's the face of the PGA tour. And I think he takes that pretty seriously. Um, and I think he's pretty motivated to go out and win. He's playing again this week at the travelers, but. Uh, well, I mean, we can't, I mean, he did, we, we forget he did win last week too. Like, I mean, did. I know it's a major, I know it's, it's, you know, he did, he, he, he did close it out last week. He did play awesome. It, I mean, I, he's, He's number two. He's number two in the world again. Yeah, he, I, he's back. He's playing great. He's his his like pedestal, or whatever his top, you know, is is winning majors, which he just hasn't done for whatever forever. But uh, he's a stud. Maybe you're maybe you're onto something there with him at the the head of the tour. Um, maybe it'll elevate him back to when he took over Tiger Woods' video game. And yeah, I think like guys like he and that, we'll talk about Justin Thomas in the disappointment section. But guys like that, I think they have a little bit of a, of a newfound motivation because they're the face of the, of the PGA tour. Yeah. It's kind of like a good versus evil deal going on. Yeah. What let's, let's talk about those disappointments. Who Disappointments this week. Oh man. Well, I got a list. I made a list. Sam Burns was one under going into Sunday and shot 76. So the uh, major issues you continue for him, even though he's won like three times this year. Um, Justin Thomas disappointment did not play well. Spieth disappointment. Your guy, your guy, Spieth. Hey, just a cut maker at majors. That's all he does. He God, he's got. He's hard to watch. He's got so many. <laughs> like he's quit doing the. He's quit doing the big like pre-shot routine. But they showed. They showed like some of him on the range. You know, on the golf channel. He's doing all kinds of funky shit. Mm-hmm. Man, he's got a lot of moving parts in that golf swing right now. I don't know. Yeah. That man needs a pool noodle. That's what he needs. Yeah. Uh, the biggest <laughs> couple training aids. The worst weekend had to be Bo Hostler. He was 69, 67 Thursday, Friday, and then shot 78, 77 on the weekend. So that was a real dip. Break 80, baby. Yeah, he broke 80. Kepka. Ooh, there may be some live news. Grayson Murray. Grayson Murray, our guy, not so much disappointed. I'm actually super excited for Grayson Murray because he's throwing clubs and breaking clubs over the, over his knee and throwing the putter throw like happy Gilmer doing the things I did when I was like 17 years old, <laughs> <laughs> just playing with my buddies. I love it. Well, he, no, no apologies. None whatsoever. He made the cut and Kevin Na did not. So he's got that at least. Well, I'm wondering if that's why Kevin Na hasn't sent anything on Twitter about it. All the throws and stuff because he knows he fucking missed the cut. So I don't know. I have to say that John Rahm was disappointing. I mean, I would say that was, that was mine too. I mean, he, he was at five under and somehow finds a way to double Saturday, you know, the last hole to go back to down one. And he just looked like, I mean, he just could not put anything close. It was just like, these guys are throwing, you know, the guys at the top were Scheffler's and the um, Fitzpatrick's and Zalatoris. They were making things happen. Just throw, you know, they'd have a bogey, but they'd come back and fight. Rom put nothing close. I mean, yeah. it was just like, and he was like, you could hear him talking about it. He was very frustrated, but I wonder if some of that for him is, 
what I noticed with him is he is, he's hitting a lot of stuff long and they're trying so hard to play some of those slopes and things like that. You know, they're, they're, they're trying to hit it into these small little windows to use a slope to bring it back down to the hole. And I don't know if you have to do that to get it close, but he seemed like he was trying really hard to hit some, you know, use slopes, but yeah, he was, I think if people would have bet, put betting money and who's going to come from behind and win, he was the guy, probably the defending champion. And he hadn't played great really up to that point by his standards, even what he said, he was, but he was right there and then laid an egg. Yeah. My guy, Xander freaking pissed me off. He ended up, T14, but he shot 75 on Saturday. Yeah. And, and he actually, that's a good, that was a good 75. He was like eight over through nine. He's like yeah. at me at Albion Ridges today. One, one, guy, <laughs> one, one guy we got to talk about quick here before we end our U.S. Open because I have a short story is Joel Damon. Joel Damon, top 10, this bad boy. Um, and, but even t- Joel Damon will even will go on TV he, and say he has no... He had no chance to win win at all, even though he top tended. He'll just tell it like it is, like, oh God, I was putting terrible. But I I ran into Joel Damon at Papago in in Phoenix, which is why I call him my boy. I was down there playing uh, golf and in Scottsdale at a few places, and I was gonna fly out on a Monday. And uh I'm like, well, my flight doesn't leave till one o'clock, and I'm gonna go hit some balls on Papago because I got that famous range, you know, it's like the mountain thing in the background or whatever. And gonna sit down and have a few beers and eat some lunch at this new restaurant they got in the clubhouse and i'm sitting there and uh just by myself drinking beer waiting for my flight and in walks this guy with a seahawks hat on and the vikings of monday the vikings were playing the seahawks that monday night just by bucket chance no hat? not a bucket hat just a normal oh, seahawks hat and i'm thinking god damn this guy looks familiar i'm like oh it's joel david and this is in 2019. So before he was big, you know, he's pretty big time now. He's 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 in contention a lot of events. And uh, so I just started randomly kind of talking shit about the Seahawks and the Vikings, you know, about the game that night. And we got to talking, and he's a super laid back, down to earth dude. He was just there. So here he is. He's probably top 50 in the world now. He was at Papago on a Monday, which is a public golf course in Phoenix, gets tons of play because they have like this traveling. It's usually at Papago or this par three course. They have this like $40 money game that anybody can get into. And he was just randomly playing <laughs> in it. I'm like, what? You're just randomly that playing. That's not money a money game. game you want to be in right there. So, <laughs> that is so, so they, awesome they, money. they have an Instagram. I, I forget what it's called. I should have known this ahead of time before this podcast. They have an Instagram. So I'm like, God, so I was talking to the guy that runs it too. He was in there. So we're just bullshitting. And I'm like, I get back from the flight. I'm like, I wonder if Joel David must have just kicked everyone's ass. Just took all their money. Yeah. I look and I'm like, huh, Joel Damon shot 67 today and he's in 15th place in this public course money game. And I'm like, damn, you know, it makes you really wonder. There's a lot of good golfers out there. You get outside of Minnesota in these Southern States where people can play year round. There are so many good players because this guy's a PGA tour staple and he got his ass kicked by multiple guys. This random guy showing play this $40 money game. So that's kind of a cool story about Joel Damon, but good dude. Yeah. All right, as we transition to our, our tournament this week, I know always going from a major to a non-major is always kind of a meh. But we got the Travelers headed to Connecticut. TPC River Highlands, the second shortest course on tour. It only plays about 6,800 6, yards. So 
there could be a variety of type of player that could play well here this week. Um, as far as the field goes, I think we've got five of the top six players in the world in the field. So it, you know, it's top heavy, strong, um, going to have some players. Uh, it's also had some very memorable playoffs. I'm, I'm thinking in my head, the, I think it was Spieth versus Berger was one of them. I think Bubba went to a, a playoff or two when he, when he won it a few times. So it creates some drama, um, can be exciting. Uh, we are going to anything else more about the course or that you guys want to talk about before we get into picks and whatnot. Uh, do I, do I ever we're back. Hey, Timmy, it's a TPC, yeah. Timmy. All right. Let, let's, no, uh, let's give no, you a no, platform. No, no. We are back to Pete die. Okay. No, okay. Yeah. Love it. But Bobby weed fixed Bobby weeds. The last one that did the renovations in 80. Well, of course he had to touch all the TPC courses a little bit. Um, you know, of course, we're back to the TPC. So 20 under will win, like all these fucking TPC <laughs> sawgrass. But this one's actually kind of fun to watch. This one's got a little bit. It's not, I don't know. It's not as boring as like Twin Cities or some of these other ones. But um, it could be harder. They protect these guys. There's that. This is the course that has that one hole that has water left of the green. It's like a drivable par for water left of the green but they keep the rough there's like a little strip of rough they keep mowing up on the left side oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it, it okay, stops gotcha. all the balls from going into the water like shave that down if these, yep. guys, if these guys are going to go for it they better penalize if they pull it um but yeah i don't know it's a it's everything that's good about the pga tour and bad wrapped into one tournament because it is a good pretty good top heavy field you got rory and jt and you have uh sam burns Cantley, um, Spieth, Spieth is Kepka going to play? We got breaking possible live news. I on think Kepka. breaking news is Kepka. It's not official, but it sounds like Kepka might be on the outs. So you have a pretty good feel with some other guys too, Jocko and Tony Finau, and um, the best name in golf, Seamus Power, uh, <laughs> my guy KH Lee, but um. But you also get like JJ Henry. They're, he's a he's a local guy. He won in 2006 when it was the Buick Championship. But the PGA Tour does this stupid shit where they always reserve a few spots for some old, washed up players. JJ Henry has less than zero percent chance of winning this tournament. Less than zero. There's no chance he wins. Have a corn fairy guy who's already locked up his card for next year, so he just doesn't want to. You know, those corn fairy guys, if you offered them a, a spot on a tour event, they might be inclined to stay in the corn fairy just so they can get more points to, you know, to get their tour card for next year. But those top guys already have it locked up. They're going to be on the PGA Tour. Let one of them play instead of J.J. Henry. Good guy. Even, a- even more novel thought, just Asia Tour, Latin Tour. Let's grow the game. Let's get let's get participants in from other countries. Something like the, that's. Like that's the one cool thing, like the 3M. And we'll talk about that a lot coming up here in the next few, uh, in the next month here when we get the podcast out there. But the 3M a couple of years ago, when Matthew Wolf won, did the did what they should do. They gave exemptions to Wolf, Victor Hovland, and Colin Morikawa. It was their first professional like tournament as pros, and they gave them all exemptions in when they had no status. And they're, and obviously they're all studs. Well, Wolf has had a little bit of an issue, but he won a couple, what did he win two years ago? Or was it last year? Two years ago. Uh, it might be three now. Three now. But anyway, 
they gave those guys exemptions way early ahead of time. And they're, you know, they've proven to be good players. The, you, you have a field of a hundred and whatever, 50 some golfers. So obviously you have room for a few older guys, but if you, I looked at the field today, there's a bunch of guys that are like, what he's still playing on tour. Like this doesn't, has no business being in the field anymore. That's one of the problems with the PGA tour. Like they could have younger guys who are better play, but for whatever reason they don't. I say you got to get, I say give them a spot to the five handicap normal guy. Just see what yeah. they shoot from the tips. That's what I say. Like they got to give one spot to a regular guy. You just get like your hand randomly picked. Yeah. You know, Jeff is really trying to get to the tour. He's really yeah. trying to go. No, I think I, I, I don't, I would just be embarrassing if it was me, but I would love <laughs> to watch somebody else do it. Just how entertaining would that be? Yeah. I would love to go. I would, you know what I would love to do? Here's what we got to do. We got to grow this podcast. We got to be media people because yep. the media gets to go out like today at Brookline, you know, the country club, they're out, they draw, you know, names and the media guys, they do it at Augusta too every year and they draw names. And then you get lucky enough to get in this lottery. You go play the next day in those conditions. I would love to play like a U.S. open in those kind of conditions just to see. Mike, knowing of- you, you're going to win TPC every time. Of course. Nothing yeah. but. TPC Craig's Ranch. Yeah, this, in your this future. A bunch of boring <laughs> yeah. things. That's the one. <laughs> you're giving you're giving your free round back. You said here <laughs> yeah. you go. You're, like, you're throwing this. I'm not playing ball. this tour course. Yeah. No way. The well, Cubs fan at the ballpark throwing a, the home run ball back from the visiting team on the field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's nothing. I, it's a pretty good field. I'm sure that they've paid pretty good. You know, they, like that's one of the things with live these TGA tour guys do get paid some of them to show up to some of these events. They get some money for it. Um, so uh, a highlight of this event in particular, because they had, they had an interview with the chairman and a lot of the staff, just because it is a smaller community. It's not the, the biggest tournaments on tour. It's usually comes right after the U S open. And they were asking, how do you get a decent field? Um, and they've really, increase their concierge service. So they've, they've made childcare available for those new parents. And we have a lot on tour and they have a 24 hour concierge service to the point where, and I forget which player this happened to dropped their phone in a pool during his time. They went out, restored all the contacts, brought him the phone on, on course. So they will do anything for those players. They will move water, earth, Wow. 24-7 do anything for this players. Hmm. This is probably good. I'm gonna probably have to cross Mito off my list now that didn't <laughs> yeah, go so yeah. well in New Orleans. Yeah, didn't go so well in New Orleans down I there. had my <laughs> massage parlor. I'm guessing the I'm guessing the nightlife in Hartford isn't quite like it is in New Orleans, but you know, you never know. Hey, get a good lobster seafood boil. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I think it's probably ahead, a course you. before we move on. I think you probably got to uh, you know, it's kind of a classic tree line. It's probably got some dog legs. You know, I, I don't know a ton about it, but Bubba has won there three times and Bubba works the ball and shapes the ball. And um, so I'm assuming that's kind of deal with some of the, ho- with some of the holes there that fit his eye really well. Well, let's recap last week's picks um, going into this week's picks. Uh, if we, we, we did a win play show, we made three picks, um, one pick in the top 20, one pick in the top. Uh, yeah. One pick in the top forty, and then one pick beyond that. So, um, just kind of recapping of the, I believe Tim, what were your three again? Uh, so I had, uh, well, uh, Zalatoris. It should have been a playoff. That putt should have gone in. <laughs> it was, 
It was right there. So I had Zalatoris. I had Louis Ustazen. Um, he went home. And then right? I had, yeah. Yeah. Well, he had some live to prepare. He forgets for that live doesn't care anymore. Yeah. Yep. He's in that. He's in the live mode or just collect the money and show up and be a robot and be shitty. I will say that that was the most, <laughs> my biggest disappointment was the play of the live players. They, oh, they, were, they, they really were awful. Did, yeah. Yeah. Well, it went, it went 18 holes too long. So yeah, they weren't prepared why. for it. Well, Phil only um, had to play 36. So he's. Yeah, he was fine. Uh, also big, big gripe about this. They got rid of the 18 hole playoff had, had Zalatoris made that putt. Would it just been a, a few holes? Yeah, one net and score. Two hole exit, then a sudden death. I just, uh, I make them play all 18. That was awesome. Um, the, but, uh, my last player with, uh, was KH Lee. Oh, that's right. KH Lee. All right. Mike, what about you? Who was your three picks? Well, I had Xander, um, Shoffley who Saturday just, for whatever reason, got off to the worst start in history of U.S. Open. He was like eight over through seven holes or something. Just atrocious. He shot it. So he shot a good 75 and ended up T14. So he tried to work his way back up. Corey Connors, who I thought would be great for this kind of uh, golf course, missed the cut by a shot. And then my boy should have put money on on Seabass, the top 20. Sebastian Munoz, T14 with Xander. So my two, my two guys, T14. So not a great showing for the week. And then I had uh, Lauer, Shane Lowry and, and Webb Simpson, who both missed the cut by one shot. Uh, they played well early and then kind of faded. But then I did have the winner, Matty Fitz. So that brings me to three wins. I'm now one back of Mike and Tim. We're at four. As we get into this week, uh, Mike did take last with, with uh, um, since Tim had, had Zalatoris. Uh, Mike gets first pick this week. We're just uh, making one pick. The, uh, the big thing before I get on my pick is, what if the USJ went anti-live and said, we're going to play a 90 hole championship. We're going to add 18. <laughs> Sebastian might've made a run at it. Sebastian was just catching fire. He got Stand better every day. His worst round was Thursday. He got better every day. Uh, okay. Travelers championship here. I got a list. It's a long one. I do have Mito because it, the golf course is pretty short. It's like 68, 6,900 yards. He's seventh in greens and regulation. But as Tim just said, you know, they got free concierge. He's probably going to go out party and who knows? So he's out. Well, Answer's got all that money, too, now. Yeah, his buddy, yeah. Justin Thomas um, is playing, but the funny thing is he's played this event seven times, and he's only top 25 once, which it seems kind of like a course that would suit him, the ball striker's paradise, but I don't know. So we're not taking him. Seamus Power, greatest name in golf. He's in it. He's top 20, 10 of his last 20 starts. And the T12 at the U.S. Open, so he's coming in good form. Jocko is playing. He got T5 in 2019. My boy, Rory. I hate not picking Rory. I feel like this is the perfect. Rory's going to bookend a kind of an up-and-down U.S. Open with another victory. Uh, but we're not taking Rory. Um, Sam Burns didn't show up Sunday of the Open. T13 last year. We're not going to take him. My heart wants to take Denny McCarthy because Denny McCarthy played great at the U S open. If you listen to him talk afterwards, he talked about like belief and he knows he can, he knows he can compete at this level and he knows he's going to win at some point. Um, but we're not going to take Denny McCarthy. We're going to take a guy who's been roundly ripped by me uh, for his dressing abilities. Not the greatest, usually all black. I'll give him props at the U S open. He looked pretty good in the uh, green sweater 
with black pants, a little bit different look. The Goldman Sachs hat is is, is on par with Jordan Spieth's gross Under Armour hat. But we're going to take Patrick Cantlay, who um, doesn't have a great track record here. It's okay. He's he's been better the last few years. He did shoot 60 there once. Um, but the pressure of a major is off. So I feel like, and this is one of those low scoring tour events where Cantley should just kind of go off again, like he does and makes hay and all these like shitty TPC events. And except for the, I guess he won the, what the FedEx cup last year or two years ago or whatever, but, um, usually dominates these easy events. Right. So I'm going with Cantley. All right. Mike goes Cantley, Tim. Well, if it was based purely on looks and heart. I finally found Rory Sabatini's PGA photo and he looks like a damn pirate. It is great. And his, his semi straw floppy hats with bad mustache combo. And we are on the East coast known for some pirating, maybe some treasure off that coast. I would uh, but, highly suggest anybody go look at that. I'll, I'll post it on my Instagram forever. I think maybe tonight. that's, maybe that's what we throw the podcast out with just a big photo of Rory Sabatini. It is fantastic. It's an epic tour photo. One of the best, right behind Joel Damon's constant bucket hat brigade. My boy. I'll, I'll digress, but not going with Rory. Going with a, a player who, after this weekend, I have a common kinship with. We share the same career low round of 61. <laughs> I shot a 61 over the weekend on 18 holes. I won't tell you what the par was. I did go under par. I did go under par, made one bogey. At an executive sixty-three par sixty-three course, uh, so an, an eagle, a few birdies in there. Uh, so we share our career low round together at sixty-one. Um, he's won here before, a few years ago, and I, I just I picked with my my stats and not my heart last week, and just was was completely heartbroken. So I'm going with another iconic, uh, just fashion bringer. Jordan Spieth. <laughs> All right. Bring it, see if he can bring that magic back. Remember him holding out of the bunker to beat, uh, beat, uh, beat uh, Berger a couple years ago. He's, he'll bring the big logos, if, if nothing else, on the on the chest right. and on the hat. The Under Armour yeah. scripting was this classic Under Armour at the U.S. Open. Uh, I'm, I'm waiting for fun. one just over the ass, just like the juicy <laughs> pants, just Under Armour. Well, I'm going to keep this simple. I'm not even going to blab. I'm not going to even give you stats. I'm just going to give you the guy who's going to make the biggest run and win. And it's Rory. He's going to, he's, this is another oh week. God, it, it, was, it was supposed to be kind of the black Monday of the live tour this week. And I still think there's going to be a lot happening. In fact, we're getting word currently that Jay Monahan has a huge press conference for tomorrow. And what does he want? He wants one of his guys that's backing him to win again. So I'm going to, he's motivated. He's playing well. There's no other reason to, to back off a of Rory until he actually shows you that he's not going to compete. So I'm just going to keep riding somebody that I think can just go scuba low every day and, and win. So we're going Rory. If Rory wins and I didn't pick him, I'm going to be just heartbroken. Rory you know what's going to suck is you know that I picked him and he's going to make this run and you would be like, you want to cheer for him, but you know that I've got him. You know, he, uh, Rory doesn't have like a crazy good record there, but he has a bunch of low rounds. Like he'll just pop off. Like he's got a 63 and like two 64s and like a 62 or something there. So he can light it up when he gets going and he's been playing well. All right. So that's what we've got this week. We've got Cantlay, Spieth, and then Rory. Um, Let's move on real quick. We've got just a couple things to to touch up on before we we end this. Uh, 
we're actually heading, the pod is heading north. We're on uh, uh, Sunday, June 26th. 12 of us are heading up north to play the, what we, uh, if you remember back to the beginning of the podcast, we did the uh, March Madness um, course bracket. And all three of these were, I believe, in the lead eight. No, actually, you know what? We didn't have legends in there. My bad. Do the more. But we did have the wilderness in there. We had led, um, we, we did have the Corey would would actually end up winning it um, over Trey Byrne. Um, so we're heading up there to pay homage to the the courses that won. We're playing a Ryder Cup style Mike squad, the Metro squad versus the Outstate squad. Um, handicapped event match play with some best ball events. Uh, I think singles will be on Tuesday. And then we've got even a, a two person scramble set up for the legends uh, the afternoon of Monday. So four rounds up there should be fun. Content should be flying. Um, I'm excited for interviews at night, just to kind of see where his game's at. Oh yeah. Uh, see where the points are at. So um, anyways, I know handicaps are currently being buffered by everybody I don't think he's <laughs> really playing that well. Sounds like. Oh yeah, that's besides Mike, maybe. Speak for yourself, left- boys. I'm coming off a <laughs> career low of 32 in the back nine at Winsong for a nine-hole low there. Uh, I, play, I, play, I shot 69 there last Tuesday. Well, you, you can go. take on my uh, my 31, my 31 <laughs> at uh, Airport National Link. <laughs> I think uh, what we're gonna find on the old uh, Metro Squad is that I am su- su- captaining. I guess is. Uh, I'll probably be buying one of those tubs of fireball, like little shots, you know? So we got to yeah. take this. That's how you got to heat the team up to start off, start off a match in the morning. Got to get, get a little fire form. in the belly. And What's a carton of cigs cost? That's <laughs> my, I've never. <laughs> this is match play. So we're going to get, we got to get going. Uh, and there's a different mindset here. This is a cutthroat deal. Uh, and, and I think all of us on the pod are playing in a match tomorrow in the Twin Cities Championships. We got a little bit of a practice match going. We all Tim got a match Southern tomorrow, Hills. so that'll be interesting. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think it should be a good time. I don't know. What are we going to, are we going to have a podcast next week? Man, try to throw something together quick up there. I don't know, man. I don't, I, that might be tough. I think, uh, you know, we, there's a, there's a chance that we do not have a podcast for, for next week. Um, you know, if nothing else, maybe a quick 20 minute recap of, of the week, but uh, um I would say at this point it is a TBD. Yeah, we might be able to throw something to go quick up there, but we'll see. Otherwise, we just do we just do loads of content and and uh, and uh, talk golf via our Instagrams. So it'd be good. I'm sure we'll have. I'm sure we'll have people complaining about ha- handicap. This the handicap discussion will be hot. I can just sense that's going to be a hot topic. Yeah, you know, I think we could do. Um. Uh, we could just play all straight up. So I'll feel no let's, let's make this a man's game. <laughs> let's just go straight up right from the get go. We don't need to handicap anything. Yeah, I, we're yeah, not. I, we're not voting for that. Why not? Let's go. Team out state won't vote for that. Yeah. So <laughs> well, well, I'll unveil my players as we as we get close to the end of the week. Maybe I do a pl- player profile of each player set. profiles. Yeah, we could. Uh, I could do. We, I could do that as well. We could do a that'd player be kind of fun if they send me a picture of them and a little bio. I think that we could yeah. kind of kind of make it fun as we as we get yeah. going. But do some Instagram player profiles. Tim's yeah, got, sure so... Tim, I, Tim's got a great photo of him smoking a, a smoke, <laughs> making a birdie somewhere. I, I was just trying to think of any bad mustache photos I have. <laughs> Tim I'm and sure I are out there. So the beauty, the beauty of both our match tomorrow at Southern Hills and up there is we're going to have carts. You know, I, I usually walk a lot of runs. So that means the beverages are going to be flowing. 
and yep. uh, probably some cigarettes and some swishers are going to be flowing. Team Metro is going to be ready to rock and roll. So you guys are getting a little experience. I like that. And me, and this is, is this going to be kind of a, is this leading to a possibility pairing of the Ryder Cup? Mike and Tim. Oh, Tim, you know, you know we got to be paired at least once, at yeah. least once up there. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you want to pair up with somebody for the old two person scramble on set on uh, Monday night at legend. I don't know, but well, Tim and I, Tim and I are <laughs> undefeated in all time in money matches while we're smoking in our cart. <laughs> we are, we are a, tough, a tough combo to take out. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, we're going to end this with just kind of I just, our interview with Brent Snyder is next. And I just want to talk a little bit about him going into the interview. Uh, he's one of the best teaching professionals in the Midwest, has numerous golf digest, top 140 awards, as well as best uh, teacher by state. Aside from all of his teaching awards, which there are many, he is also a three-time Minnesota PGA player of the year, played in the 2015 PGA championship at Whistling Straits, the 2023 M Open and a billion other wins and accomplishments in the um, just PGA professional, you know, Minnesota tournaments. I think my biggest takeaway with this interview is just his calm demeanor and his presence. Um, he just seems like a guy that you could trust. If you are a young player looking to, you know, just have a nice mentor uh, to get close with, to confide in. Um, I just love what he stands for. And there's a reason why so many go to see him. So you, you can kind of sense that and feel that through his interview. Um, just, a just a great guy. I mean, he, he loves golf too, but he just talks his perspective on everything. It seems to be, um, what somebody looking to improve their, their game and, and, and maybe even improve as a person would, would want to be. So, um, anything with you guys takeaways before we, we get to the interview? No, I think he just gets it. I think he's, he's one of those guys that, uh, that gets that uh, when it comes to the game of golf, it's kind of a, it's one of those sports where it's about the whole person, not just, you know, teaching somebody some robotic uh, golf swing and, and uh, Brent gets it for sure. He's a big picture guy. So, well, enjoy. So we are here with Brent Snyder, one of the best, if not uh, the best teaching PGA professionals in the Midwest uh, works out at Troy Byrne. Um, Brent, you've got many teaching awards and accomplishments as well as playing um, too, and we'll make sure to highlight those. But let's start with a quick synopsis of your background in golf and how you kind of ended up where you are today. Yeah, everybody's got a story, right? Um, I'll give you the short version. I, uh, I grew up, I was born in the Twin Cities area. I grew up in Stillwater, and then we moved to Europe. I lived in Germany for five years, so I was there from third grade to eighth grade and uh, never touched a club or anything, played a bunch of soccer. That was all I, that's all I really did. I skied in the Alps and played a lot of soccer. Moved back and I graduated high school from Montemidae, uh, picked up golf at like maybe around 14 years old. I just kind of slapped it around a little bit, somehow snuck into a state tournament, but was mainly recruited uh, to play soccer uh, collegiately. My brother, who's uh, my full-time caddy, his name is Kyle. He's a social worker. Um, counselor in the elementary school system so he has the summers off so he says his real job is caddying for me and a lot of my <laughs> top players um, so Carlos was out at the University of Denver that's his caddy name and uh, so I followed him out there and uh, skied a bunch uh, we were just kind of still walk-on opportunities a little bit so I actually competed a little bit with the DU men's team but it, it just wasn't for me I was too busy skiing and doing all this stuff so then I graduate uh, from business school from Daniel's College of Business and uh, 
somehow decide from there that I'll turn professional and play golf. So my first gig right out of school, I graduated DU in uh, 02. Uh, I was hired over the phone by um, Greg Stang, who runs Wilson Golf Group. And uh, he, Oakland is one of the golf courses that they own. So I started working at Oakland and Stillwater. And that very first winter, I got tied in with uh, family. I have family down in Sea Island, Georgia. So I got tied in down in Sea Island. So I went down to Sea Island right away. And rest is kind of history from there. You start hanging around some of the best players in the world and the best teachers in the world. And if you keep your mouth shut and uh, try to keep your ears open, uh, things can change pretty quickly. So I kind of went back and forth back and forth for four or five years and competed mini tours and stuff like that. Just trying to figure out this game a little bit and had known Dave tennis a little bit uh, through the years and through some competition and stuff like that. He had had an opening at Troy burn. He had only been there a year or two. And he's like, man, I, I'd love to have you come out and help me out with the operations a little bit and get going from there. So I jumped on it, came home. It's been 16 years, helped Dave a lot. Um, with the business end for the first two or three years and then uh, went on my own with uh, with my teaching company and uh, been doing that the whole time out at Troy Burn, which is, I mean, it's unbelievable in terms of a training ground and um, the opportunities and the situations that we can provide um, at any level. I don't care whether you're trying to break 190, 80, 70, or you're a tour player. Um, we have options around that property that, um, create some serious golf that's kind of what it's all about so and it's it's blown up into something that I could have never really imagined and it has way less to do about the golf and a lot more to do about people and the investment that we have in people's lives and we just flat out care about people and uh, somehow they get good at good at golf along the way it's pretty unbelievable well that uh that says something right there relationship piece of it so let's talk a little bit like Tell me your teaching style and why so many of these, especially like these young, talented amateurs in the Minnesota, Wisconsin area, make it a point to have you as their coach. Like, what about you? You kind of talked about a little bit there, but more than just the, the golf. Yeah, we don't um, you know, I don't really um, I don't really do anything on the on the marketing end of things. Um, obviously, this has taken a considerable amount of time. And just like anything else in golf, you everyone's always talking about some process or something like that. But the reality is you, you get into habits and, and I have habits and how I uh, present myself every single day to every single person that comes in front of me um, doesn't really change. And um, they're, they're cared for, they're loved basically. And that's what it is. And golf is really, really hard. It's really awkward. You're really vulnerable. Um, the idea of, you know, standing on a tee and wanting to throw up on yourself and still be able to step through some of those moments. Um, there is certainly a kinship, uh, obviously, with my playing background to my players. I think they um, I think they do appreciate that. But it, it's a lot more. Yeah, the one on one is really special and all this stuff, but it's a lot more the the phone. You know, my poor wife, we <laughs> it's really hard. Um, I, I spend a lot of time on my phone with direct message um, clients, obviously throughout the Midwest, but then also clients throughout the country that are constantly competing and they need that. Um, they need that space where they can uh, talk about it. And that's what I provide. It's a lot more than just trying to get the club face in a half decent position, but the bulk of the bulk of the teaching is um, just that 
you got to figure out how to score the ball, period. Uh, we're playing a game. We're not playing a swing. Um, I don't have two, I don't have two players that swing it the same way. So I got to figure out what works best for that player, both physically, emotionally, and mentally. And then uh, we go from there, but we have a pretty good time along the way. That's what I was going to ask you is the game. Do you see the game with, from the teaching side of it going more to that, you know, instead of everybody being a robot and doing it a certain way, we're going to start doing more of, this is kind of your swing and, and we'll, and we'll go yeah, it's it's really interesting. There, there's certainly plenty of instructors that are fairly uh, theory based or principle based, where uh, this is the way it, it's going to be, and you're going to swing it like this. And uh, they've had some success that way. Um, I've I've found my success through through the individual and through the uniqueness and understanding how everybody moves and what their patterns are. So I'm I might be a little skewed off the other end, where I really kind of let them go. Um, but I'll tell them, I mean, I'd tell them straight up, like, if I don't think it's going to work and I think it's kind of a hot mess, um, I'll say, look, I think it's kind of a hot mess. Do you agree? You can put it on video and people are smart people. Like people are smart and you, you have to give people uh, a tremendous amount of credit at no point. Am I even remotely closest to the smartest person in the room? So I'm going to invite as many people into that conversation as possible. And first and foremost is that player. So it's really easy to look over a video with a player and say, what do you think? You think we can get this done when the pressure's on? You think these 36 extra moves that you're doing and you're (laughs) (laughs) are going to simplify it. So invariably players um, that, that really find success, um, whether they have some unique traits to what they're doing and how they're moving, they know exactly their pattern and they're really good at their pattern. And, and I think you see that through the board, right? The U.S. Open's a wonderful picture of that, right? Yeah. It's just, you've got some wild stuff going on, and those guys know exactly what you're doing. And then half the time you can, you know, you look at a Division One high-level Division One tournament, and everyone kind of looks like Adam Scott. Yeah. Their scoring averages aren't quite the same as uh, what you're seeing at the tour level. And some well, of the tour guys, I think it was David Faraday, says that they look like you know, what monkeys falling out of a tree or something or. Well, I even thought. like this actually goes along with what you're saying. Cause I, I want to make sure I ask this. This is like, um, you know, we, lo- we watch a lot of golf and you've got guys like, uh, you know, Scotty Scheffler's footwork, Cameron Young's paws at the top. You got John Rahm's. I don't know how he hits it with that tempo of short swing, but if you had to pick like one thing to tell somebody that maybe he's just starting or. You know, what, what do you think are the essentials to keeping a swing somewhat productive and consistent? Like if you had to say, you know, these two or three things, I mean, what? I think you have to, you know, um, the old school guys always talked about club face, right? And then we have all these unbelievable launch monitors that started proving all these rules that, you know, the golf ball is going in a certain direction about 85, roughly 85, 90% of the time because of where the club face is pointed. So from that, um, I like our odds if we know where our club face is. And that's kind of the end of the story. Good to know. There you go, Timmy. Just need yeah. a square club face. Impact matters, Tim. Get it all. Get it right at impact. <laughs> kind of figure out, Timmy. It's just the putter. <laughs> yeah, the putter is a whole nother. Putting is so volatile. I'm sure you guys are very up on stats and understand this, but you can't get across to the players enough about back to managing expectations and the, the really true realities of where putts are hold from. Yeah. I mean, the, the recipe is very, very simple. You need to somehow become unbelievable inside of five feet and you have to have great touch. 
Yeah. I tell my team constantly, it's all we do. It's like, we're going to work on like 30 footers, legging, legging, leg yes. putts and short putts. We're, yes. I tell them all the time, the pros don't make a lot of putts from 15, 20 feet. So no. Just, and they're not speaking. sitting around hitting 15, 20 footers yeah. for practice. It's all this tiny little stuff. And the tiny stuff is all the block stuff, right? We've got gates down. We got all these, you know, it's crazy. We got stuff all over the place, right? So there's your block practice from the short distance. And then from there, it better just be really long touch stuff and yeah. compete. I have all my guys. I mean, all my guys and girls are competing. I mean, we're playing 21 constantly, like putting games and stuff yep. like that. Yeah. So it, it sounds like you really take a, a mental focus to the game. And, and this really harkens to what I've heard about you as a teacher from a couple of folks that have taken your lessons. But are there minimal physical attributes that you look for in a, a swing, a certain amount of rotation that you'd like to deal with coming into plane, for instance, in the swing? Um, I'm not more I'm, than- I'm not smart enough to uh, talk <laughs> in terms of like degrees, in terms of what their certain side bends are at and what their tilts are at and stuff like that. Um, I, what usually is the most noticeable to me is their frame and what kind of matches up with their frame in terms of like swing direction. I got, right. You've got guys with these Gumby arms. I I taught a tour player for a while who had a six, eight wingspan, you know, and he looked like it was just a disaster. He was hitting a wedge and I'm like, you have the worst wedge posture I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) Mike. The guy, I, I got to come for a lesson. Mike he, he he's a four-time All-American and uh, mm-hmm. he's a, he's a world-class player and he always laughed. He's six, four. And, you know, so he's kind of hunched over and those tall guys really have a hard time with those wedges, but you know, if you've got some length uh, in your stature um, across the board, honestly, I like width in a golf swing. Golf swing ends up getting a little narrow on the downswing as it is. Those circles get a little different on the downswing. So I pay attention to width a lot. I do pay attention to the club face and if their wrist conditions kind of work within what they're trying to do. We will talk at at nauseum at times, understanding where their ball is going to go. Some people say, well, I'm going to take this side out and blah, blah, blah. You see a lot of the top players, very, very single-minded off the tee. They basically hit one shot off the tee. They're usually not trying to hit a ton of shots. Um, But then lower in the bag, it's just a a plethora of opportunities. You want to have a ton of shots. Like, where do you do your damage, right? Kids will always want to rake four irons or five irons or something like that. I'm like, what do we what are we doing? Like, I don't care what you do with your five iron. We got to get that thing airborne and we'll pop that thing in the center of the green. And that's about it. But I just want you to be nasty, nasty, good with your wedges, like hole everything. So this leads me right into a question. So I'm six, five. Um, Are you? I am. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I play a lot of golf. I bought a scratch golfer. If I, and I feel like full swing, I'm fine. I had, I had a decent amount of greens and regulation. Uh, but do, do you have a lot of people that come in just for wedge work and putting? Like I would, I've never taken a lesson in my life, but I would come yeah, in I'd, for just wedge work and putting. And that's all, that's where the money's at anyway. Yeah. A hundred percent. The wedges for most people I do, I give a ton of wedge lessons, short game lessons, stuff like that. Short game's kind of the only thing that probably keeps me somewhat going. I'm not a long player whatsoever when I'm competing. I'm just trying to get the ball up and down and try to hold more shots, but The reality um, in the wedge stuff, what I've noticed 
from really, really high level players and the best players in the world is this idea of dynamic loft and what type of loft you're presenting at the ball and your ability to keep wedges low. Yeah, to flight, flight wedges, right? So, you know, you first start playing the game and you, God knows you'd never want to hit a five iron because it's like ankle high and you love the wedge because you get to hit it straight up in the air. You start getting good and you basically want to do the opposite of that. Start getting those mid and long irons up in the air so we can get them to stop and spin. And those wedges, we want to get them really, really flat. So it's pretty, it's pretty typical. A great player is going to they're going to present probably five to seven degrees less loft than what the static loft of the club is. Hmm. So tour players hitting a 56 degree, they'll hit it at about 48 or 49 on average. Let's, let's, uh, let's get into your play a little bit. Um, you have not only teed up with the big boys in PGA events, like uh, I think the 3M a couple years back, but you also played in a major, uh, I think it was in 2015 at Whistling Straits. Can you believe um, they still do that? I, of America, I don't know, spot. but can you believe it? Timmy that had to be I, a wild time because these two boys played whistling straights and they came back and basically said, I don't know if I want to golf ever again. So Timmy and I, tell Timmy and I went this April in like 30 mile hour winds and we were humbled. Dude, <laughs> unbelievable. We were playing a, a couple. I was there. It was like Sunday to the week before. So Sunday's always a good time. I did the same thing at the 3M Open that I did at the straights where I go out on Sunday. So Sunday at the Straits, it was like me and Tiger. There were like just a few people on property. It was unbelievable. But we're back on this one box and we're like hitting it over scaffolding and stuff. I'm like, this can't be the right tee box we're playing. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um, yeah, I got through, that was 2015, I think it was. I got through a Philly Cricket Club, uh, which was where the Club oh, Pro yeah. Championship was oh. that. And that's a pretty pretty swanky little piece of property there Hell yeah and it yeah. just it really fit my eye and uh, it's really old school and super firm and fast and just kind of had to kind of dink it around and chip it around and that's kind of right up my alley but then getting to whistling straights it's like are you kidding me i had built in these relationships through the years though with uh, davis love and zach johnson um, randy myers is a friend of mine who runs the fitness for all of uh, sea island and he runs a Ryder Cup fitness teams and all that stuff. So it was really nice playing my practice rounds with guys that I knew. And Davis was coming up on his Ryder Cup um, at Hazel team. So it was really interesting. Um, he was just being kind because Davis is an unbelievable guy. But he was asking me about the routing because they're trying to figure out what they're going to go for on the routing over at Hazel team and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, they still give you the spots. So you top 20 in a club pro and. You know, Dave Tennis told me a story, Kerry Hag, who's tournament director for all the PGA of America stuff. He said, Snyder, at some point, I guarantee you in your career, Kerry Hag is going to give you a handshake and he's going to give you this, this envelope. It's going to have all your credentials for a PGA championship. And you just, you just won't believe it. And I, I honestly, I hit the drive of my life and the eight iron of my life down this 460 yard par four, the 72nd hole at Philly cricket club. And somehow two putted that thing from 10 feet. And I go in and Carrie Hag gives me this envelope and shakes my hand. And God, I just, I walk out of that scoring tent, just like bawling. And my wife yeah. like cannot believe it. I cannot That's believe awesome. it. Like, I, I have I'm a question about that. I'm, it's crazy. I have a question about that uh, championship. 
have they changed the rule? There's been a little bit of backlash over some of the guys that aren't really necessarily teaching pros that are playing. Have they, have they changed anything? Are they going to change? They have. It, it, it is changing a little bit. So I, I don't know the exact language and uh, I don't think anyone's going to come after me legally here, but the discrepancy is the life member. There is a life member status within the PGA of America and you can receive that status after playing a number of years on the PGA tour. So there's some gentlemen that come into question who have played basically a career on the PGA tour and now they're kind of done, but they're not giving lessons. They're not answering the phones. They're not running the old member guest and they just show up to all these tournaments and they're basically tour members. They're just not on tour anymore. I believe you're referring so, to Omar Uresti, probably. He's one of those guys, isn't he? Omar, is that what it is? Omar? May or may not be. May or may not be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, w- I want to know, like, when you stepped on the tee, I mean, um, when you stepped on the tee for, I- I'm sure you've played, a, you know, you've, we've won a, you've won a lot of tournaments, especially locally in here, but like, st- like that's just a whole different stage. Like, teeing it up yeah, at a whole, major. It's a whole different deal. I started, my first round was on uh, the 10th tee at the Straits. So I got this, I got to make a decision if I'm going to rip a three-wood or just send driver or whatever. I'm just trying to get the thing airborne. Your hand's shaking, <laughs> just like everyone else. Everyone's nervous. The illusion that nerves go away is, is an illusion. Everyone's nervous. We just have a little deeper tape recorder of being able to step through some situations. That's all. So I pegged the three wood and it's unbelievable three wood of my life. So That's my nerves great. were exposed. You always figure out, you learn, right? We're always trying to learn as much as we can. I think I finished round one. Um, I hit 14 greens. I think I was top yeah. 10 in ball striking in, wow. the field in round one. And I was four over par. So every green I missed, I made a bogey and every single green I hit, I two putted for par. I didn't make one single birdie and I made four bogeys. So I was like at the top of the list for ball striking and borderline in question. That's got to feel awesome regardless. I know you probably, you were probably wondering, wanting to score yeah, better. I mean, than just that, like but... I tell the kids and everything, the golf ball doesn't, the golf ball doesn't know. Yeah. yeah. Like everyone in the world shows up to our academy and say, well, I want to play division one. And they go through our entire college advising process and they start realizing that there's a lot of different avenues you can go to become right. I was basically a ski bum and somehow got a degree and ended up playing in tour events in a major championship. So golf ball doesn't know what's going on. There's lots of guys and you work. Lots of guys on tour that didn't play division one golf. Totally. hundred percent. hundred percent. That's crazy. Well, I got, um, you know, another thing here because you from nice outsider's perspective. So I follow you on Instagram to me, you look like one of the most busiest people in, on my IG timeline. I mean, you are constantly working with clients. How do you actually have time to work on your own game? Uh, I play tournaments. So uh, when I'm practicing, my practice is when I'm competing. So I, I don't, I don't have time to practice. Um, I'll play some 21 with um, kids on the greens and stuff like that. My top players will usually want to be on course. Most of them usually want me to play with them at times, but that doesn't happen too often we've been doing a lot of group stuff it's been really interesting over the last few years we're putting a lot of good players together so i'll have three really good players together and me and um obviously some of the results are uh, kind of taking care of themselves we never talk about results or anything so it's interesting to see outcomes from uh what we're doing but my practice is i i mean honestly my practice is playing in events so i'll play one usually event a week during this summer i still play close to 
25 events during the course of the year, depending on how many national things I get in. Let's, wow. let's talk. But yeah, about I don't sit around and hit balls. I'll tell you. Let's that. talk about results quickly. You had, uh, I believe, at the three A boys state tournament, the guys, the three guys that tied for first were all students of yours, correct? That is correct. Yeah, that's pretty wild. And I think too. I think to a man, all three of them are just furious that they didn't get to play off. <laughs> I heard <laughs> that. That's ridiculous. That's good. Yeah, they yeah. don't ever. They don't ever play off. They just don't. You don't do that. Yeah, huh? I think, yeah. I mean, nope, Nate, nope. after Nate, after our big hugs and everything, I think Nate said he, he won Mr. Minnesota this year. So with that uh, comes um, uh, summer membership, basically to Winsong Farm. Yeah, absolutely. So he's like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to invite these two over to Winsong and we're going to take care of this thing. There you go. They're all competitive. They're all great guys. Um, and obviously really good years. And um, I don't think they wanted to share it, though. Proud of all of them. No and matter Nate, the Nate Stevens has had a hell of a, he has a good portfolio at before he's even got out of high school here. He had, he's done well at the AM and some other events, correct? Yeah. He's done real well nationally. Um, he, he's at the, um, he's just at the Western junior right now, which he actually finished, I think it was fifth last year is at kind of had a run there at the end. He was real close to winning the Western, which was a really big deal. Uh, yeah. State championships obviously set the record last year at uh, 10 under par. Um, and he's going to be uh, attending the University of Notre Dame in the fall. Yeah, he's a hell of a player. Jack Wetzel, who he tied with, will be attending uh, the University of Minnesota with the Gophers. And Mr. Owen Rexing from Rosemount will be attending University of St. Thomas. Newly, newly Division One. Oh, put the, put the borders up. Put the borders up, baby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're making a run. Making a run. That's great. Timmy, do you got anything else to, to ask Brent? Well, some of this is it could be a little hyperbole or can't talk about it yet, but an excellent background, um, 2020 Golf Digest Best Teacher by State, uh, a, a big background in golf here in, in Minnesota. What does the future hold? Um, all of us here have, have played Troy Byrne recently. We're familiar with the possible sale. Um, do you, are you staying on there? Are you uh, someone that's that's going to be loyal to, to Troy Byrne or, or what hold, what's the future hold for you? Yeah, I'm big on loyalty. It's a great question. Um, it the golf course did sell. Uh, it is sold. Did you did you mention that? We knew, the, we the knew sale. it was for sale. Yep, we knew it was for sale. It's been out on the, okay. the internet. Okay, and, for some and time. one step further, it actually sold. Um, so it has been sold, and it was sold to a gentleman from Prescott, Wisconsin, by the name of Bill Holst. And and Bill is a um, Bill is a wonderful um, wonderful guy. Um, I've been in a lot of meetings with him already, and I'm very excited. The interesting bit with Troy Byrne currently is there's um, somewhat of a contingent that feel like it would be a very successful private club. And the discussions going on right now is whether that is a, a viable solution for the future. That's what and I was going to ask. Snyder Golf's um, impact or experience on Troy Byrne will not be changing in the near future. Um, Bill is extremely positive to, to what we bring to both the community and to junior golf and to adults and to the game as a whole. And uh, he feels that we're an asset to the property. So we're very, very grateful to be there. It says here also that you may have some caviar to share with that purchase. I have yet to ask him um, to the extent of what 
that is going to include, if that's going to be like a daily regiment or what we're going to get on. <laughs> so Bill's background among, he'll tell you he just works in a scrapyard, which is part partially true. Um, but at one point, he was also the number one caviar distributor in the world, which I ah. think he has sold off some of the various portions of that, but he is still very involved in that business. With, uh, awesome. with new ownership often comes some course changes. Um, also, I'm assuming your facilities will change there as far as practice is concerned. Are there any things that you have on your, your list now that you'd love to see? Well, I think we're certainly in a space where uh, a year-round commitment to um, Brent Snyder Golf makes sense, and it would make sense to certainly the membership. The golf course as a whole, um, we're, we're really close. It's a type of property where you can flip the switch and it could host a championship within a week. Um, the big ticket items are going to be probably leveling some tees. That's probably going to have to come up. The bunkers always come up. Dave Tennis says it really well. He said, well, they are it is a hazard. I mean, the intent is, I don't know if it's supposed to be absolutely immaculate. Dave Tennis is at one point, he was what number three in the world. Um, Dave knows a little bit about golf. So the bunkers do need um, some time, you know, Hurston and Fry designed the golf course for Tom Lehman and they were out a few years back and it was the last property they did in the world with that type of expansive, massive bunkering. As you guys well know, in all your travels and golf connoisseurs, everything is kind of becoming more minimalist and simplified. But we could cover up, right? We could dirt and sod probably 50 to 60 bunkers out there and people wouldn't even know they're gone. That's how many. I, I probably would, unfortunately. <laughs> Tim, Tim, you might have a rough go at, uh, at Troy Burns and bunkering. But uh, <laughs> I got a good question <laughs> for you. Did you say you're playing at Lassure this Friday? Yes, sir, I am. So I am uh, making my first ever trip into uh, pro-am territory here. What, uh, what are these? Perfect. What are, these are you anxious? Are you excited? Are you nervous? I'm, How do you? I'm fired up. Feelings? I'm not. I'm not nervous. I'm fired up. I, I know. What is your sporting background? Uh, I played college basketball. Okay. I played. I played a year of college baseball. So I did that too, and I've played. Uh, since then, I just play a lot of golf. I played state amps and some of those things. So right. So this Mike. is you're exactly right. You're in the middle of a lesson right here. This is what it is. So I figure out that you have all this sporting experience, and sport is sport, right? So I already gather that you can walk through some of these situations because you've had to hit a couple of free throws at some certain time. Oh yeah, for sure. Right. For That's sure. Pretty interesting stuff. I've now uh, the I put sewer, a... however, is going to make you uncomfortable. You're going to look down uh -oh. a couple of tee shots and uh -oh. you'll be like. Where am I supposed to hit this? <laughs> He's a bomber. So, so I've never played Lassure. So you're telling me, and, and I'll have to text Trey here tonight, my former player that hits it like 350. You're telling me that I signed up with a guy who the driver's going to be out of the hand of a little bit in this thing? I think Trey and Trey's skill set, he'll probably just throw it up by every single game. <laughs> Perfect. That's my guess. Perfect. That's my guess. All right. Oh, go ahead, Mike. No, I, I was wondering about that, what that what all is entailed there. Just a it's, show up and, it's a little it, it's great it's usually perfect. in wonderful condition but it, it has some quirks i'm looking right. forward to the event well we just have a little bit of time here left with you brent let's just do this this is a rapid questions it's kind of like a this or that and then we'll we'll uh, let you be oh on boy. your way here so i just okay. got i'll give you two options you pick one all right first one cut or draw oh, i'm playing a fade green side bunker or fairway bunker green side high bombs or low stingers I mean, I don't have either. I'd say high <laughs> bombs. I guess. All right. 
Uh, let's uh, links or tree line course. Um, I like links. Yeah, yeah right answer. Okay. Correct. Right. Correct answer. Thanks. <laughs> uh, driver or putter? Uh, the putter. Okay. Uh, teach or play? Play. Play the game. Play the game. All right. JT or Morikawa? Oof. Um, boy, we could go on and on here, couldn't we? Isn't it very interesting what's going on? Yeah, it, it's really yeah. good. Yeah, we've sure. been talking a lot about that. I mean, really, really interesting. What what JT's done with his wedges over the last three or four years, obviously Morikawa's ball striking ability. And then to be open with everyone saying, I don't really know what it's doing. <laughs> I know that's unbelievable. And then he shot, and then he shot 66, 66 yesterday without a clue what's going on, apparently. Right? <laughs> um, so I like, you know, I like Morikawa. He chips it around. Um, JT's a great guy, though. All right. Um, Adam Scott outfits or Jordan Spieth outfits? Oh, there's so much natural. <laughs> I mean, both are pretty rough, but I mean, Adam's so dang beautiful that, and it's all okay. one color all the time that I, I just don't know how you don't go there. All right. Um, let's see here. Masters or the Open Championship? Masters. Uh, plastic or wood tea? Mm, I'm sorry. I, I use plastic usually. Plastic. And then last one, mallet or blade putter? Mallet. Mallet. All right. Well, that's our rapid questions. Anything else? We got about two minutes left. Anything else with uh, with Brent here that you guys Isn't have? Isn't it interesting the switch on the mallet and the blade? It was like 70-30 like three or four years ago. Now it's almost flip-flopped the other way. What, what do you uh, think that is? Because I can't look at a blade. I don't know why. I just can't. Even if I don't putt well, I just well, can't Well, I mean, the marketing and the brilliance behind them all is they're going to talk about stability and all this stuff. But, you know, the putter is not going to arc a ton until you get a little further away. So I think most of it comes down to those shorties. So I think there's a little, right? You keep it a little more neutral and you're not going to have as much arc in that shorter putt than you would like a 30 or 40 footer. From out there, you're just trying to feel it anyway. But I think most of it's coming down to like the five, six footers and just trying to keep that thing as stable as possible. There you go, Tim. There's your putting lesson for the stable, day. Stable like Will Zalatoris' stroke on the short one. <laughs> Very stable. I can't believe he, he he was like number one in strokes game putting this week with that stroke. What a brilliant, well. what a brilliant, brilliant player. You talk oh, about it's unbelievable. He's he's unbelievable. He doesn't he doesn't give a rip. I'm just gonna play the game. I'm gonna score it. Well, yeah. just like Bren said, it's just you find. I don't, it doesn't matter. I mean, find a way to get in the hole. Even if he's doing his figure eight. I guess it's going in. It's okay, it's really, really hard. Like everyone's trying. It's not like we're not all trying. It's really hard. So, I agree. So, patient. well, we we appreciate your insight. You're um, obviously doing great things. Love that you are relationship. Um, you know, foundation of relationships. Um, you know, making a difference in people's lives. We appreciate you coming on tonight, Brent. Thank you, guys. Thanks for everything you do for Minnesota golf and beyond. Thanks a lot, Brent. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. All right. All right. Maybe today's the day I brigade you. Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading. No OB and no bogeys. I got to keep it on the 80. It's the gold Would you hit it on one? Straight up the gut, baby. Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings. Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy. So punch out the rough and tune to break 80. Break 80. Very, very.